if you look at analyze the marketing that we are doing, it's mainly the conference scene, being speakers or getting the so foot on the ground. We haven't done any boots, but that's like it's more walking around the conferences itself and meeting people throughout those networking events, et cetera, which prove in itself and really building a stronger relationship with the current affiliates that we have on the network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B SaaS podcast. Today, we have Elliot Saporta with us. Elliot here is the founder and CEO of a company called Coriander. Hey, Elliot. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. All right, Elliot. So let's get started and let's try to understand what your company and product does and why customers pay you money. Sure. So we're a payments-oriented user management platform. What does it mean? We're the backbone of different types of financial institutions coming from payment service provider for card processing, alternative payment methods, all the way to fintechs, marketplaces, who are looking to manage their onboarding process, user management, and everything on the financial element, like subscription and payments, et cetera. All right. It looks like you mentioned a lot of things here. So I, I want to get a sense of, you know, so maybe you can help us understand this way. So just pick one customer of yours or maybe a prominent customer sure. of yours and just help me understand how they're using your product, right? Uh, that would be more easier. So I'll, take, I'll take a use case that, that's with a close to heart. It's a startup, fintech startup called Cosmo. Cosmo provides a, a, like a alternative banking for Thai employees coming to work in Israel. They provide them with the prepaid card issued by one of the local issuers. It's a Visa card connected to a mobile wallet, which is in essence their banking platform. The employers transfer the salaries into the application. Our platform manages the balances, transfers between users, the full onboarding, KYC, and all of the relationship between the employer and the employee using the app. And Cosmo as a startup uses us as the backend for their functionality. So they developed a very nice looking uh, application. And every backend functionality, interfaces for the employers, everything is managed by our platform. So a consolidated backend service to manage everything with payments, onboarding, etc. So, so let's try to understand a bit about your customers here, right? So how, like, who exactly are you selling this particular product to? Is it financial institutions who are looking for this, you know, payment, you know, payment management systems? Or are these real businesses who are looking for a fancy UI and all of these, you know, systems there? Okay, so it's less businesses. Are we're B two B to B to say B two B to C kind of a operation? We sell to the payment service provider who are selling services to merchants, meaning businesses, and these businesses are using the platform to cater for different customers doing interactions on the platform. So if you look at Cosmo, for example, it's a fintech startup looking to build the next payment service provider for Thai employees in that use case. We have some payment service provider in the payments uh, industry. So imagine competitors to Stripe and Square, a kind of smaller provider working with the bigger banks and trying to, let's say, introduce different merchants from different industry, which Stripe might not be accommodating or, let's say, easy to use in that use case. So our clients are leveraging our technology in order to sell their services onto two businesses. So can, can you say you're a competitor of Stripe? Can I assume that? I'm a, I'm a, a technology provider for a Stripe competitor. So Stripe as a Got whole it. provides services to the businesses as a consolidated both right. license and technology. We provide the technology, our customers bring the license and start selling to the same customers that Stripe are selling to. Got it. So essentially Stripe can use your backend to power all of their financial, you know, whatever management systems, right? So essentially you sell to companies like Stripe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Got so it. Okay. Specifically so Stripe has an amazing system, but yes. Yeah. So smaller competitors that can't start from scratch building a technology to compete with Stripe, leverage our technology. Got it. So that that's that's that looks pretty interesting. So let's try to understand, you know, your customers, your revenues of today, right? So approximately how many customers, how, how many paying customers do you have on your platforms of today? 
Fantastic. So we started in about mid-2016, currently have about 50 enterprise-level customers. They all pay us a setup fee to start and set them up with what's called a white label, which gives them a branded look and feel of our backend system, dedicated databases in terms of segregation of the data between user to user. And then after that, they pay us a monthly minimum and transaction fee. The monthly minimum can range for the startups at around $500 a month, which in certain amount of transactions included. When you have the payment service provider can pay us up to $2,000 a month with the minimum. And we charge extra for different modules and functionalities, such as card issuing, iBands, and so on, which are add-ons to the plans. So we don't have free customers. We don't Got have it. a freemium plan. Got we it. only have paying customers to begin with. Right. So I want to understand how big these deals are, right? How big your customers, how much do your customer typically pays you on an average? So what's that range looks like? Is it $10,000? Is it $100,000? Is it a million bucks a month? And here, how does that in terms of like? lifetime, it's different between the lifetime value and let's say specifically. So I'm talking yearly. about the ACV, right? Something that they pay you on an annual basis, approximately. So it's around it's a, an average customer. They will pay about $20,000 a year. So they were you, you mm -hmm. know, 12 months before today. How many customers did you have? And 12 months before today, we were at about 35 paying customers. Got it. So you, you, you're growing at around, you know, it's approximately 20, 30% year on year, something like that. Yeah. Got it. All right. Yes, sir. So yeah. So let's let's go back to you know your zero to one journey. Right? I don't want to understand. Right. So how how did how did you all how did it all start? Right. I mean, where did you get your first five customers from? Just talk about that story there. So my backstory: I was I started in payments in around 2011. So I already built the name, was doing conference scenes as speaker, panelist, etc. With for companies I either was the COO of or consulting to different fintech startups in the U.S., South Africa, and here in Israel. And then there, there was an opportunity to pivot from being an operator of a payment service provider to become a provider to other a service provider with the technology we built. And that way we kind of shifted. So when we got the word out that we're ready to go and we have a technology to compete and to facilitate, it came with a combination of the services we knew how to bring as consultants. And on the other hand, giving a technology that came from not as a developers building a system, but rather as operators building a technology to serve other platforms in the process. So, 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 so you had a consultancy company before that. Is, is that what you're saying? I, I was the consultant. And I was doing the consultancy. And then when I shifted gears from being a consultant to a service provider, people leveraged from getting both technology and advice in one package when we started the company. Got it. All right. So, so I want to sort of deep dive and understand how you exactly got these customers. I know you, you've been in that space, so you must have you know, had you must have those warm leads out there, right? You must, a lot of people right. must have known you, right? But talk about that journey. How did you manage to convince them to use your platform? How difficult it was? Like, how did it all span out during those first, you know, first five customers? So, if you look at the first day that came in, so at the beginning it was, and up until now, if you search us online, you wouldn't find marketing campaigns. You mainly find, let's say, we are growing, but it's more word of mouth. We've been a very wide and extensive affiliate network of other payment consultants that got to know the system. And we pay a very handsome uh, referral fee for everybody before paying customer to us. And given the fact all customers are paying, it's easier in terms of conversion. Mm -hmm. And I think when we show it's a combination between the product itself and our understanding of the market and the fact that if we are the one providing the service, you get the personal attention. And to start with, I started the company myself with a freelance developer working part-time, but with already a working system. So the fact that they got the, you know, face-to-face -face treatment from the CEO of the company, even though there wasn't many people behind me, gave them the extra attention they needed. 
Mm-hmm. And then one client brought another, one of them went to a conference, talked about his system, showed a bit, someone else called us and kind of grew from there. Then I think very quickly about, about I think three months, we already were the five paying customers. We had from Malta, from uh, Hong Kong and from uh, the US two customers. So imagine complete different territories just mm-hmm. happened to meet each other in a conference and all referred one to another. Got it. And and now let's let's come back, right? Let's come back to today, right? So you mentioned you've got you've gained around fifteen customers in the past one year. Right? So where are these customers coming from in terms of you know top of funnel lead generation? Where exactly are how exactly are they discovering you? And have you been doing any marketing or something like that? So what exactly is working for you? So in, in terms, if we look at analyze the marketing that we are doing, it's mainly the conference scene, being speakers or getting that foot on the ground. We haven't done any boots. But that's like, it's more walking around the conferences itself and meeting people throughout those networking events, et cetera, which prove in itself and really building a stronger relationship with the current affiliates that we have on the network. It's a lot of the leads that we got throughout the years came from the actual service providers we integrated to, because as the provider, technology provider for our customers, we integrate to a lot of third parties. We aggregate a lot of connectivity. And these providers usually don't want to have a lot of platforms connected to them. So once they have a platform of choice or someone they can trust in terms of the integration, they refer to that seller. So oh, you want to integrate to us, use this and this platform in order to do so. And that's, that's proven itself. And what we can see in the last year, that the type of customer in terms of customer profile has grown. We now have two Nasdaq listed companies as clients. We have some unicorns that are using our platform, which we've never thought at the beginning there would that we get that type of exposure. Mm-hmm. But it all came from, you know, an acquaintance during a conference and came from there. And then one thing led to another. Surprisingly enough, you would say, okay, if you're doing it from conferences, how did COVID, that's at the period of time when we were actually working from home, baking cookies with the kids. But that actually got a lot of people talking behind the scenes and people that you used to meet in conferences suddenly hitting you up on LinkedIn and what's going on. And then kind of encouraging more work because everybody was looking for workarounds mm-hmm. in terms of how to build their business. So that's right. kind of proven itself. All right. So you've mainly mentioned three things, right? You talked about your affiliate network. You talked about, you know, existing customers and service providers, you know, referring you and you talked about, you know, you doing conferencing and, you know, doing that networking, right? Let's pick, for example, conferencing, right? I mean, I just want to pick your brain and understand how exactly do you view this channel as? I mean, how exactly do you calculate your ROI? Do you go to every conference and how exactly do you say, hey, it worked for me here, right? Because it's pretty hard to put a number on it, right? So, okay, I went to this conference, yeah. I ended up converting 10 leads, now I got two customers. Is it that simple or what exactly is your strategy here with respect so, to going to conferences and all? I think we analyzed, the, the tra- let's say, the traffic that's come to the conference and what kind of channels do you have to meet there? So if a conference is mainly, I think, for example, only lectures, that's not the type of cost- then conference that we'll push to go to. Yes, if being in that conference gets us a speaking engagement, Fantastic, because you can leverage the video coming from that from that conference and let you on proving yourself as, and let's say, a, an expert in the field that that's kind of brings traffic on its own, the YouTube videos and then doing the social work, you know, a couple of LinkedIn campaigns, et cetera. But if you look at the, let's say, more where the type of service provider working with the target audience are, because they, meaning theirs, meaning merchants, et cetera. When we go there and mingling between the service provider, they're paying for the boots and you'll be surprised at how many of them are looking for other technology in order to incorporate in it. So the bigger the conference and the bigger the audience coming in, the higher the potential to meet potential affiliates or potential mm-hmm. clients in it. And the fact that in ROI and in my account, if I go to a conference and I close one paying customer, that's fantastic because yeah. I've covered the expense of the traffic. 
But if I came back with about five new affiliates that can bring more merchants within a period of one quarter, that conference will convert about 5x around that because every affiliate will try to refer two or three potential customers and will close at the 30% of what that affiliate brings in. So it's good conversion on that. So we look at conferences. We definitely sure. don't go to so any conference. Yeah. So let's try to quantify this. Right? So approximately how many conferences did you attend in the past 12 months? In the last 12 months, I've been to six. And out of them, we converted about eight customers from those different conferences or from connection came from those conferences. Yeah, sure. So you can attribute it to that particular conference there, right? Yeah. And is it you just going out there and talking on talking there or is it, a, is it your team going out there, you know, having a booth or something like that? So, now, so we've been bootstrapping the company for the six, last six years. So it's not like we spent the budget. So up until now, it was me doing the conference scene. I'm going to speak in a conference in Romania about banking. So that's going to have the potential. But let's say we are starting right now in the following year, in 2023, we start sending my COO to some of the conferences, not to speak, but more to mingle, stuff like that, because, you know, family obligation and some yeah. other work. So I'm trying to take the number of flights that I'm doing. And do you have to pay them anything to basically get this opportunity to speak on those conferences? No, no it's really strange. The other way around. Sometimes they pay for the hotels, they pay for the flights. Depending on the level, there are use cases that sponsorship comes with a panel, et cetera, which we haven't done that up until now. We have never sponsored the conference. More connections. We spread the world with our networks and get other people to come to the conferences themselves. Yeah. The full it's bootstrap a, approach. Got it. So you mentioned something, you know, affiliate network bringing in a lot of clients, right? So, so like, just talk to me about this network that you've built over years. How did it all start and what, what sort of incentive do you sort of give your affiliates and how do you sort of, you know, build, you know, build that network on a regular basis? Let's talk about this affiliate networking. So imagine at the end of the day, at the, the affiliates are usually consultants to other startups being that. And consultants usually help each other in the process because they know how to consult you, let's say 70% of the different topics. And the 30%, they use other consultants to help them and at least thing, not by paying them, but just listen, I have a friend, I have a client, I need a, I need a favor, help me at that. I've always been the guy to help without having ask anything in return. And then when that consultant consults a company, it suddenly brings me on to have an advice and a conversation. And then yet, by the way, he's doing a technology that can help you. So building over the years, even the catchphrase, my last name is support and everybody laughs that supporter will support you. So it's kind of that kind of network of consultant that we sometimes call to consult or even refer ourselves to these consultants, clients of ours that are looking for advice in certain niches. So you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And usually when the consultant refers the, the client to us, we keep leveraging the relationship with the consultant and keep pushing back and forth with the client together because there's an incentive. The client wants to see that the consultant didn't just throw him at us and just left see that we do have a relationship with them and it's not like, like a one-time thing of referral. And I think right now the network in terms of the, our mailing list and the, when we do the events for the affiliates, about 50 plus affiliates working with us. In general, some closer in, in the way that we talk three times, four months, eight times a month and actually such so a brainstorming advice or brainstorming clients. And some once a quarter suddenly come out of nowhere and said, listen, I have a lead for you, this and this, meet them here. And we try whenever there's big conferences in London, we usually meet all of them there, but then door to door. So, so how do you incentivize that. these, you know, your affiliate, affiliates? Percent. So our commission base is significantly higher in the market. We give 10% off the top. So whatever the client invoice pays us, mm -hmm. we give the affiliate 10%. There's full transparency. And, and the affiliate it's, gets, it's forever, gets right? a portal. It's forever. 
long as the, as long as the client yeah. is paying us, we'll pay the affiliate. Even if the affiliate didn't bring any more leads besides that first one, mm -hmm. we'll always pay for that one. Because it. it gives them the motivation. Suddenly seeing an incoming transfer for the commission, mm -hmm. they, oh, I might have another client for Coriander to do something with. Got it. All right. All right. So let's let's move move forward, right? So I want to understand your conversion strategy, right? So now you've got you you have your affiliates bringing in a lot of leads. You go to conferences, a lot of people discover you know they know about your company and product, right? Now what happens? Talk about the sales cycle. How do you end up converting a warm lead who just knew about your who just you know got to know about your product to a paying customer? What's the journey look like? How long does it take? What are the manual steps involved in there? Just talk about that process. So we usually let's say a. Uh, bridge the word, let's say the introduction conversation, already scheduling it for about an hour. And we try to squeeze a teaser of the system during that session. And when we schedule it, we use Calendly for our scheduling app. And when you schedule through there, you actually get exposed to our YouTube channel, which we launched, I think, six or eight months ago, and has kind of teaser five-minute videos across different features of the system. So by the time that, let's say, Worm Lead comes into doing the introduction email, he already grabbed a couple of videos to have a look at. So it kind of triggers his interest. I talk. And then when we explain about the system, what we do, we try to give a teaser for the last couple of minutes. So listen, we can talk the talk, but let me show you for a couple of minutes how we walk the walk. And that always leaves like a worm taste at the end of the conversation. We try to finish. It's usually, let's say, about 60% of the time, we actually end up sending the price proposal and drafting the agreement at the end of the conversation. They convert Just after the first conversation, right? So you end up sending that at price. The end, at the end of it. At yeah. the end of it. It's, it's different when you get a cold lead coming with a yeah. sign up on the website, yeah. because for there you see it's a longer sale. But when it comes from the affiliate, he already brainwashed them hmm. about the fact that this is the solution of choice. We know he's looking for a system, otherwise he wouldn't have spent the time yeah. coming in. So that's why we prefer to invest, you know, their resources on the tape, tutoring yeah. our affiliate on the system, et cetera, rather than throwing money on campaign. The growth is relatively, let's say, smaller because we're not spending a huge amount of money on marketing getting 50, 60 leads a month, we are getting five, six qualified leads, then we convert the majority of them in that month or the following month. Got it. So, so you, you, you've done this first, you had this first conversation, you sent them a price proposal and all. Like what happens after that? Let's just say they're willing to sort of go forward. How long does it take for them to sort of start using your product and integrating it with themselves? When, when exactly do they end up paying you that first dollar of revenue after that first meeting? So they pay a setup to begin with, in order for us to even start the setup process to mm -hmm. show seriousness on their side. And our pricing is on the website and it's very transparent. So they see that it's no surprises. And because of that, we do not give discounts on that part. So it's not like, you know, back and forth, I'll pay you half and, and sorts of that. But then they, once we got to a point that they signed, the urgency starts on their end. They want to be up and running as soon as possible because it's fully branded, fully ready to go when they start. So they don't need to do a lot of their end besides, you know, pointing DNS records to our, to our service. So we usually take about three days to set them up and everything and fully test the, the setup and schedule the training session. Now, some of the training session is done by YouTube with all the videos that I've mentioned, which is part training, part marketing. But the rest of it, it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation either with myself or the CEO or the training staff, just because it's as much as the system is fully operational and easy to maintain, sometimes talking with the examples around the functionality helps them to grasp the system much faster. And you see them, let's say, onboarded much quicker. The ones that are using only YouTube, you see it takes a bit longer to start running. Right. The ones that are doing a full one-hour session start processing within days. So Got it. that's fun to see. So let, let's try to understand about your churn and expansion here a bit, right? I mean, it's, you've been here for five years, right? So how does your churn look like? So how often does the customer sort of stay with you and 
Can, do you have any metrics and how do you measure that? So in, in terms of statistics, we do lose a customer or two a year. Uh, the main reason is they decided to shift the, the business elsewhere. Not, not elsewhere, mainly the focus of the business elsewhere. They're not shifting to another technology provider. Besides, we can name two clients throughout our life cycle that moved to another provider from us, which we understand the reasons. You know, yeah. you can get everything right sure. 100% yeah. of the time. But the majority of them decided to shift. The business wasn't worthwhile in terms financially in the number of merchants. So, but it's still two to three more. customers in a year, right? Something like that. If you've yeah. got around 50. So it's, 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 it's around 5% something because, like that. Yeah, because it's easy to onboard. It's mm -hmm. easier also down the line to say, you know what? Okay, I've done my experiments. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't want to invest more money in the business. I'm flexible enough because we don't tie them to the agreement. As much as they're a term in the agreement, I've never penalized someone for asking to leave before ahead of time. It happens that, you know, yeah. down the line, we did have customers that left, but came back six, seven months, a year after, because they wanted another niche with another partner okay. and they took another label. So I talk about the expansion strategy here. So, so for example, once you onboard somebody, is there, is there a way for them to, for example, convert a $5,000 ACV customers to say, let's say $50,000. So it's mainly connectivity. So when they start, they have a set in mind on which providers they're going to work with because they had previous relationship and the previous, their clients that they know that they're going to board to the platform. But then usually we let them feel comfortable, warm and fuzzy with the provider they brought in. And then our partnership team starts pushing another provider that we already have in the network and we already integrated and we see that is working nice with other clients. And those introductions help them to expand the business. So we encourage them to find other providers, not to put all the eggs in one basket, and work with one main provider, but to start allocating resources and distribute the merchants between different providers. That gives them the ability to scale. And when the customers no, no, I'm scale, talking about, scale I'm talking about them paying you a lot the second exactly. year. We, we, char we charge per transaction. The minimums, it's nice to start with. We want the customer to process as much as possible. Mm -hmm. The more they process, the more they pay us. All right. So if your the customer stays around. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah, inclined so to grow their business so that, you know, your deal size goes exactly. up, right? And do you also yeah. do any feature-based upsells? Yes. So that's what they talked about in terms of the modules. And, and when they expand the business, suddenly they consume more services. The main focus as we see in the product-led growth is the fact that we provide feature, paid features that we charge our client once and give him the tool to charge each and every sub-client of his on each one of those. So they can actually pay us $100 a month, but sell it for 1000 5000 depending on their pricing. And they're fully flexible to do whatever they want. And who exactly in your team does that? That's this part, right? Is there a customer success team who's regularly interacting with the customer and sort of pushing them for it's the it's the account managers who are doing the tape both support and doing the upsell. Even the the size of the team and the way that we operate, because it's still a skeleton team in general, but we've automated a lot of the work processes, so we don't have to have a large team at this point. So they do a lot of the day to day activity with the client, and then when they see different issues, they suggest some of the paid features, and the cost to the benefit is just. It's ridiculous. It's $50 and you can make 5000 on the merchants. So let's talk about this team, right? So how big is your team and how many folks doing what as of today? Yeah. So we currently are 12 people on the staff, et cetera. Six development team and six support and uh, let's say a sales on that so Support and sales. 50 /50. So you mentioned something, right? So you mentioned you, you sort of work with around five or six, you know, qualified leads per month, right? So do you also work with, you know, cold leads in that sense, right? So do you, do you have any cold leads coming in? Right. So how, how does that, you know, funnel look like? So, because I, I'm assuming you need to put in a lot of effort to sort of nurture them and convert them. There, the sales cycle could be much longer than it is in, yeah. in this case. So, so do you have any personal actually sort of dealing with all those cold leads and maybe AEs or somebody like that? 
do do or do we, we just ignore them? What what happens there? Just no, no, God, God, God forbid. We don't ignore anyone. So we do have the incoming leads that are coming either from the small campaigns we're doing on the social networks, but not really paid campaign, but just mm-hmm. you know organic. Apart, so we have a, we, a girl on the team that handles the partnerships. She handles all the incoming and outreach as well, because there are list of registered service providers that we can target that are either using other technical providers or only referral agent for some of the banks we work with. Mm-hmm. So we are right now helping them grow from just being a referral agent themselves to suddenly have technology with us and then helping them grow their business. So we do a lot of outreach. For but those is it just one person doing all of this, you know, handling? She, okay. she handles everything coming in and then the actual sales is still me handling within the team. All right. And that, how does the conversion look like for this particular funnel where a cold lead sort of discovers you and, you know, you well, That's uh, obviously the conversion is lower coming from the affiliate, but I think it stands about the 20%, 10 to 20% conversion on the, on the cold leads coming in. It, it takes longer. So if let's say a qualified lead can take up to let's say two, three weeks to close, let's say cold lead might take a month or two to close because it wasn't in their focus. The qualified lead comes, they're already warm. We know that they're searching for a solution. It's just finding the right one and finalizing. Well, leads might not have even thought about changing a technology provider and suddenly we come with the idea. So it might take longer. Got it. So talk about the future here, right? So how I, how exactly, so it looks like you are around one or $2 million in, in terms of ARR, but how exactly are you going to scale that to, let's say $10 million? Right? What exactly is going to happen from now on? So we're expanding territories and expanding different verticals. So when we started the company to begin with, we were focused on one vertical, which was payment processing. And now when you see embedded finance and other, let's say, terminology in the business, yeah. just doing payment processing isn't enough. So we accommodate as a backend system payment processing card issuing for the prepaid cards and closed loop prepaids and, uh, and loyalty cards. And we do the virtual IBANs, which is connecting to the banking. Mm-hmm. So we aggregate a lot of service provider for a banking infrastructure, card issuing and the payment processing. So we do see the vertical for banking growing significantly in the last 12 months. We do see the processing growing steadily in the same rate that it was before. And then once we expanded these the different verticals, we started expanding territory-wise in terms of the affiliate networks that we built. We're mainly focused to begin with in the European side of the world. And now we're starting expanding the network in the U.S., which we started getting a lot of more traction there. And specifically within Europe, we're starting thinking about going to specific conferences in specific territories when we analyze the competition there. So we have started to find an affiliate that serves as the sales agent in a territory with a warmer relationship, not just the 10%, but 20, which will actually be the brand ambassador per territory. So... That approach stays the same. If he doesn't convert, we don't pay anything. So it's not like paying a salary. Yeah. That's where we just give it a higher incentive. To what pay. exactly do these affiliates do on a regular basis? Are they simple consultants? Usually. Some of them are doing affiliation as a business, meaning mm-hmm. they refer different types of, let's say, consult to different types of clients, but to different types of, let's say, service providers. Mm-hmm. Some are very niched. So they either are responsible to bring, let's say, processing accounts to different banks or to different merchants. And suddenly someone like us comes along. So it kind of ties things together. But a lot of them just doing that as a day-to-day and make enough money, let's say, from the referrals from previous businesses, you know, to make yeah. it the month over month and growing and growing. Got it. And one last question. Are you completely bootstrapped as of today? Yes. We, have, we had one investor to begin with, and then we paid him out about a year ago. That's amazing. We we went to complete from small investors, let's say, not even a seed. So under the friends and family category way back. And then there was an opportunity to give them the interest and everything else and pay them out, which we've done over a year ago. And now we're 100%, let's say, employee owned 
All right. So what's the vision here? Are you, are you going to scale it to, let's say, five or $10 million and are you going to sell this company off or are you going to, what, what exactly is the vision here? If, if I'm looking at the potential thing, I don't, there is either being acquired by another company or merged into a bigger company to do something bigger. Our plan down the line is to get licenses ourselves, financial licenses to provide additional services, such as, you know, if the technology comes with the license altogether as a package and it's much more impact than just providing the technology. And for that, you have two approaches, either get the license, raise money from investors in order to take the license, but getting a license takes about a year worth of work, logistics and everything and bureaucracy, or to merge with a company that already has the licenses together and to come as a stronger, bigger entity on that one, which we had several discussion over the years, but when the time comes, we'll make the right decision. All right, Elliot, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Hope you scale your Coriander to much, much greater heights. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it.